1: you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra
2: mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger,
3: for the ones who get it done. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante.
1: Welcome to a Division Series Preview Edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, and today is the day. Game 1, October 11th, Tuesday, in the Bronx, 7.37 p.m., Cleveland Guardians, and everybody's fully healthy. Oh, wait, I'm being told there was a surprise bullpen Tommy John surgery before the series started. Remember when they were waiting to announce the roster, and it was like, Is Oswald Peraza going to make it? Is DJ LeMahieu going to be healthy enough? No. And no. But there was also another question that we didn't even know we had to answer. Now Scott F. Ross is not in the bullpen. We'll talk about the way these injuries have broken down. We'll compare the rosters. We'll give you all the nitty-gritty before Garrett Cole's Game 1 start on Tuesday night. We made the case for Nestor Cortez. We also understand why Garrett Cole, the ace of the New York Yankees, is going to be doing this instead. Uh, Not that shocking when it really gets down to it. And, oh, guess who else is not going to be on the roster? Aroldis Chavin, for the first time since 2015, the first Yankees postseason roster he has not been a part of. Uh, Absolutely the worst Yankee for many years running, and his playoff karma helped (laughs) derail uh, countless postseason runs. And, uh, weirdly, him getting in a fight with the front office and management and refusing to report before this playoff run started – is the best thing he's ever done just before a playoff run. We have no issues. We'll go into that further. Uh, join us, won't you, for a big-time pre-Guardian series. Round up. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us those five-star reviews. Drop us those mailbag questions. Happy to answer them. Happy to talk to you. Uh, Thomas Carinante, welcome into the podcast. Uh, best of five, not a best of three. Wild card series. Don't have to do that. And uh, game one tonight is massive. Uh, But we're in the real playoffs now. Final four in the American League. Probably half the teams you expected to be here. The Houston Astros are really the only Yankees enemy left. The Guardians are here. The Mariners are here. The Rays, gone. The Jays, gone. Uh, The Mets, who we don't care about but now suddenly kind of care about, also gone. Very funny. So the pressure is mounting on the Yankees, as it always is. But there are not that many rivals in their way here anymore, which is pretty weird.
2: It is weird, and um, I think that, uh, like we talked about last week, um, I think this matchup, regardless of who came out of this side, uh, boded well for them. League average offenses, yes, good pitching staffs, but Yankees have the second-best offense in the league, um, only behind the Dodgers, who have arguably one of the best offenses of all time, you'd probably say. I mean – Fair to say, maybe top ten of all time if you go back and you look at the circumstances. Especially now, we know that um, pitching has never been um, as advantageous as it as it was in the modern day. Um, it's harder than ever to hit, and you have the Dodgers doing what they're doing first te- first NL team in a century to win uh, 111 games. Um, so you look at it through that lens, and you're like, okay, Indians or Indian shit canceled. I'm out. Sorry, guys. Uh, Guardians, uh, league average offense. Um, they scored three runs. Uh, right. They won that second game one nothing. It was a walk off solo shot.
1: Yeah. Two one yeah. and one nothing. They hit yeah. two home runs in the three series. runs. Uh, they let Jose Ramirez dinger off them. You don't yeah. obviously don't want to do that, but uh, yeah. Guardians raised. Nobody hit it all. Uh, yeah. so a lot of it's good pitching. Nobody's like, well, oh, the Guardians raised pitching staff stink. Obviously, they're good, but yeah, it's not like the offense really stepped up.
2: No, I mean three runs in two games. I think that says all. And you're home. They won. They got the job done. They won two games. That's huge. That's great. They deserve credit for that. But yeah. not really convincing fashion. I think that um, they kind of played to their um, abilities there. I think they have a lot of overachievers on this team, and I'm not. I'm not speaking down to that. Um, I think Stephen Kwan is very good. Crazy rookie season. I don't know if that's going to sustain in the playoffs. Um, Andres, uh, Jimenez, I think a very good baseball player, all-star. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Ahmed Rosario, we saw him play with the Mets a lot. Yeah. Solid. Um, I don't know if this is how good he is. Um, so you look at all those factors and guess who we have coming back to the Bronx, dude, our boy, Miles Straw, ready to fight the crowd. Oh, oh dude, interesting. why is that storyline? That has been overlooked a little bit because I thought I'd be seeing a lot more memes, and I guess this is where I got to get into the meme game because I'm not really a meme guy. Um, but this is where you got to get. We, we got we. Someone should have been firing off the Miles Straw memes the second the Guardians won that series on Saturday. Well, what are we waiting for, guys? Miles Straw said he got death threats after that incident. Um, after he threatened to kick somebody's ass <laughs> after yeah. he
1: climbed into the crowd. Yeah, I, I bet he actually did. Um, yeah, not a fan. <laughs> Uh, one of the worst hitters in baseball this year, sixty-five OPS plus. Uh, he's still in the Guardians lineup, but again, October's weird. Everyone on Earth yeah. knows October's weird. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that Straw and Kyle Higashioka get the biggest hits of this series, right? Um, yeah, it wouldn't be. Surprising. All we know is that the Yankees made some roster decisions, uh, most of which they had to make. Uh, and their roster is better than the guardians their mm-hmm. roster is better than the rays mm-hmm. that does not mean they're going to beat the guardians that does not mean they would have beaten the rays that does not mean either is an easier matchup etc cetera, etc cetera. i said this on i said this before i'll say it again i would just much i, I don't want to face the rays i don't want to see them i don't want to go to tropicana field i don't want them still in the playoff mix nope i don't, I don't really care what an easier matchup is you, you want to tell yeah. me it's the rays you, you want to tell me the rays struggle down the stretch too wonderful we can play the same game with them Guardians, it's like weak lineup, incredible pitching. Oh, but Jose Ramirez. Oh, but Josh Naylor. Oh, but Oscar Gonzalez, a little scary. Same with the Rays. Oh, Wander Franco. Oh, playoff Randy Rosarena. Oh, who wants to see Manuel Margot in a big game? G-Man Choi against Garrett Cole. Uh, every <laughs> playoff team has four or five or six guys on offense who you can just make the case for that scare you. The Guardians and Rays are very similar, and one of them plays in a beautiful stadium in Cleveland, and one of them plays in a convention center, events park, go-kart track in Tampa. And we would have to be going to either of those places for game three and four. And I'm gonna go ahead and take the non-division rival with a tortured history without the decrepit ballpark. Sorry.
2: Yeah. No, I am too, and you have the mental factor there, which you don't want. There's a history between the Rays and the Yankees and it's it's an all bets are off situation, you know? It's kind of like it's not you know, it's it's the same scenario where it doesn't matter how bad the Yankees are and how good the Red Sox are, or vice versa. You know, every fucking game is gonna be wild and not really uh, not really pleasurable. It's gonna be it's gonna to be tough. When we saw it this year, the Yankees were very good, the Red Sox were very bad. We didn't want to be in Fenway Park for one second. Didn't matter. Didn't matter if you went up 2 0 in the four game series, you knew something bad was coming around the corner, and it did almost every time. So you want to avoid those types of narratives where um, you have the you're susceptible potentially to getting punked. Um, And just as recently as 2020 got punked by the Rays, Kevin Cash said, but Kevin Cash said um, set the tone for kind of how this Rays team is going to approach the Yankees and play them. Um, Thankfully, the Yankees were able to handle them this year, but you don't want to face them in a winner go home series because the motivation is always, always going to be there for the lesser team um, in said, quote, rivalry. And, you know, the Rays were going to bring it a little extra just because it's the Yankees. Like how everybody else does when they face the Yankees, but not overlooking the Guardians. Like I said last week and the week before, you got Shane Bieber here, thirty-one starts, two point eight eight ERA. Tristan McKenzie, thirty starts, two point nine six ERA. Uh, Cal Quantrill, thirty-two starts, three point three eight ERA. And those are their top three. Zach Plesak, pretty good. Aaron Savali, solid. Nothing great, but um, they 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 have enough they have enough arms to get the job done. They have enough arms to kind of spook you. Um, Emmanuel Classe, probably best closer in the league. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And there's like,
1: there's like two good closers now. Yeah.
2: Edwin Diaz and Classe. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Former Yankee Trevor Stephen. Mm-hmm. Stepan. I don't know how to say his name, but two <laughs> point. Stepan! Stepan not not is... scared. Not scared, but like, yeah. Good, no, good guys. Yeah. 2.69 ERA, 66 games. Um, Eli Morgan, 3.38 ERA in 50 games. So they have, they have the formula here to, a, get through a 162-game season and win division, which they did. Props to the Guardians. Um, and now, push comes to shove, the ingredients are there if they could put up some runs um, to sustain themselves over five- and seven-game series for the rest of the way. They have a good foundation. Um, is it talented enough to get them to the next level? I don't know. If I were – well, I am a betting, man. <laughs> um, I would bet I'm they betting. do not have enough to get past the Yankees. But then you run into a problem with the Yankees, Adam – and we were yelling about it before this ALDS roster was released this morning. Um, and we were blindsided by a couple of things. Um, the positive blind side came on uh, Sunday when a Chapman was left off the roster deservedly. So, um, the bad blind sides is that DJ LeMay, who was not on the roster, which we somewhat expected, but source told, I believe Joel Sherman that he has a foot fracture <laughs> that is affecting, uh, his toes, one of his, one, I, I, it's just affecting all of his toes. He can't get the positioning. It's It's been obvious. He came back. He's unable to uh, get his footing in the batter's box, uh, push off that back foot to use that power um, that he so famously um, utilized in the leadoff spot to spray the ball to all fields and also you know, hit, hit the ball over the fence. Um, and then you have Scott Efros. Last-second Tommy John surgery here. Don't know what the hell happened there. Don't know why we're learning about that five minutes before the playoffs start. Um, So I think I have a bone to pick with the Yankees, um, which I'll get into in a minute. But how are we feeling about this roster? What's the dealio? Uh,
1: I think you were more taken aback than I was by the pitcher-hitter breakdown just because I I never let myself think they were going to go with 13 over 12. uh, But then – They roll the Dodgers roll out their roster like two seconds later, and somehow they end up with 13 pitchers and still a bench that just looks, you know, wildly better than anything the Yankees have to offer. You talk yourself into the Yankees as this deep team, this vibes team, et cetera. Then the Dodgers roll out like Joey Gallo's got to be the last guy on their roster, but it's Austin Barnes, Bellinger, Betts, Freeman, Gallo, Lux, Muncie, Smith, Taylor, Trace Thompson, Justin Turner, Trey Turner, Miguel Vargas. There's not a single guy, lineup or bench, who I'm like, eh, he's a question mark, or eh, he's a liability. Like, Gallo is the only one, and I know exactly what Gallo is. He's not a question mark, and he's the last guy on the bench. The Yankees roll out a roster that includes, like, just people you're used to who aren't good. So he, you, you don't really get objective until you see somebody else's roster. But the Yankees have Marwin Gonzalez on there, they have Aaron Hicks on there, and they have Tim LaCaster on there as a pinch runner. That's three guys who provide almost nothing offensively. Marwin Gonzalez is there, I guess because Stanton still can't play the outfield or they don't want him to play the outfield. They said something ridiculous this weekend. Like he's been doing outfield work, but not like defense or anything like that. Just kind of like running around with a glove. It's like, all right, well then you're not going to play the outfield. Uh, And you've got uh, Matt Carpenter who's back and I'm so glad he's back, but he's a below average outfielder before he got hurt. He's got a foot fracture. He's just there to hit. So now you're carrying two guys who are, you know, bat first, but also bat only. Oswaldo Cabrera can play any position, but Andrew Benintendi's not ready. They didn't go with Oswald Peraza. They're going to need Cabrera to be their starting left fielder because Carpenter can't do it and Stanton can't do it. So that leads you to Aaron Hicks and Marwin Gonzalez to provide the versatility that Cabrera now can't because he's just going to be stuck as your starting left fielder. Uh, Also, without LeMahieu, who was clearly injured all year, had no power, came back at the end of the year hitting ground balls. We love DJ LeMahieu. I'm sure he'll travel with the team. Not surprising he's not healthy enough to participate in this series, and I don't want him to participate in this series if he's going to be the level of non-participatory that he was at the end of the season and in August during the team's massive slide. Whatever's up with his foot and a fracture makes more sense than just a mysterious gout issue or whatever. Whatever's up with his toe, he can't hit. So we love him. No bearing on next season. He'll be back. They had said earlier in the year that this was going to be an off-season healing thing. They wanted to see him play through it. We saw him play through it. He was terrible. So I'm not surprised he's off the roster, but that does leave you without a backup first baseman for Anthony Rizzo. That now becomes Marlon Gonzalez or Cabrera. Who's been taking some backup reps at first base. Cause he does everything Matt Carpenter could do it. I guess probably won't Josh Donaldson. We were asking earlier in the year, if he could, he's done it in the past, but he won't. Why would they do that in October after having never done it all year long? So LeCastro is really the only one that you go that could have been oswald peraza or that could have been a pitcher but without scott Efros and without aroldis chapman who took himself out of the mix you don't really have a 13th pitcher to use unless it's greg weissert who we talked about a little
2: bit earlier yeah that was that was kind of what i was feeling because um i know the only argument here is that or, or the argument that the Yankees do have here is you have Tyone, you have Clark Schmidt, and you have Herman in the bullpen. So there's multi inning workers there, um, and that's going to take the stress off the later uh, the later inning arms. Um, but then you just have to think of overall effectiveness. Um, Tim LaCastro, I like Tim LaCastro, um, but Oswald Perazik can pinch run. Um, and if you're carrying Aaron Hicks, you have yourself another outfielder. So, I don't know why we need another outfield. And Marvin can play the outfield. So, you now carry three extra outfielders um, after already having a starting outfield. And I understand John Carlos Stanton can't play the outfield in the early going. And I don't think he's probably going to at all. Um, but you look at a situation where, like you just said, they're carrying all these bats, the, the bat only guys, John Carlos Stanton, Matt Carpenter. Um, and then on the bench, you have Higashioka. Hicks, um and uh and LaCastro and pinch run running situations. Um, you don't think there's gonna be a lot of scenarios where Isaiah Kiner Falefa is pinch hit for in the eighth or ninth inning and you don't have an adequate shortstop to back him up now? Yeah. Unless you're gonna pull some NL shit and you're gonna put, you know, Cabrera at shortstop and then you know, move the whole defense around. Hicks, Marwin. Hicks. Like that's when you see these guys nobody wants to see. Exactly. And it could have just been an easy fix where you remove, you know, maybe you pinch it Carpenter for Isaiah Connor Falefa. And then the next inning, Oswald Peraza goes out there and he plays shortstop. I, I I am I am I crazy for thinking that it seemed like it seems like the logical um uh solution there because you are going to run into situations if you're carrying this many bats look the reason they carried Aaron Hicks I think is because he can work walks he's gonna he's probably gonna pinch hit for somebody in in a in a fairly bigger situation if it's the bottom of the lineup or if someone's not getting the job done um maybe it's at Yankee Stadium maybe it's not but you're not gonna carry him the whole time and not have him get any reps at least I don't think that that's gonna happen um and if he's here for the DS unless he has a catastrophic performance and does what he did against the Rays back on September 9th, he's probably going to be here for the CS, too.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.
3: Custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C O R I E N T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability
2: and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is where the Yankee stuff frustrates me and like the Chapman thing, right? Yeah. Talk about him real quick. Chapman, we heard the news about him. Axed on Sunday, goodbye. Surprising, yes. Also, yeah. not that surprising. Not that good. 4.46 ERA, 4.57 FIP, 1.45 whip on the year. He's done nothing to prove he deserves a roster spot. No. However, what did it come to? It came to blow. It came to literal blows. It came mm-hmm. to Aroldis Chapman supposedly denying the mandatory workout on Friday because the Yankees couldn't give him an assurance that he would make the postseason roster. So, you have to spit in the Yankees' face now to be be kicked a peg down in this roster pecking order mm-hmm. and it's simply not fair. Because what, why Orolis Chapman has done so much over the last 3 years to warrant not belonging on a playoff caliber team or even to just hold on for the closer role as long as he did. Um And you have a guy like Oswald Peraza who comes in for September, kind of has a – debuted in a disrespectful manner, ended up getting off to a little bit of a slow start. Yankees debut three hits – Yankee Stadium debut three hits – what do you bat three oh nine for the remainder of the way? One one forty OPS plus or something. Yeah, ended um, it at one thirty-nine, but like yeah. that'll that'll play. That'll work. Delivered when he was asked to deliver in part time. Think about how hard that is for a rookie. You're brought up in September, you have limited reps to go around, and you're mostly delivering. I mean, I don't know outside of Oswaldo Cabrera, I don't know who um did more with less obviously Cabrera was playing multiple positions he never played before mm-hmm. um and he was asked to do so much and he delivered so I thought Peraza deserved a spot based on um, his versatility as as a player he's fast he can play defense he can hit the ball for contact and for power Um so I, that's that's where it's confusing so once again we're in a situation where bad performance is being rewarded right Aaron Hicks is here I know he kind of figured it out a little bit in september but still not kind of yeah i mean his his last 15 his last 15
1: games he hit 256
2: with a 360
1: obp two homers never gonna give you that power ended up hitting 216 with a 330 obp on the year that's a huge gap but again you want that to be 240 and 360 you don't want the obp to be 330 no matter what he is not as bad as he looked when he ran into the left field wall and yes. stood there as the ball rolled around Charlie Brown style but he's also certainly not a difference maker he's he's better than Marwin Gonzalez I'd rather yes. have him up than Marwin Gonzalez in a key moment uh but better than the worst bench player who we've already sort of replaced with a versatile Oswaldo Cabrera should not really be the standard here having Benintendi would have been so helpful it would have taken a guaranteed starting spot away from Cabrera. He would not be your everyday left fielder. He would probably start two of these games. He'd give Donaldson a blow once maybe, and he'd give, yeah. uh, you know, he'd be, be in the outfield once, or they'd switch him around in the later innings, or he'd end up coming in in the sixth inning and playing the back half of an extra inning game. He would have had a moment anyway, even though he wouldn't have been a starter starter. But losing Ben Benintendi hurts a ton here because now you're immediately going – um, you know, Hicks can't be off the roster. Uh, Marwin cannot be off the roster and not only are they on the roster, but they're kind of your second line of defense.
2: Yeah. And yeah. And my, my overall point here from like a, just from, uh, uh a field perspective is that they were this close to rewarding bad performance in a role as Chapman. If Chapman doesn't ditch that mandatory workout, he's on the roster because Scott F. Ross needs Tommy John surgery. So you're you you are in a sense rewarding bad performance all year, one because you need the help, two because you're kind of being stubborn and you're like, well, we're not gonna make a monumental move unless this person absolutely makes us or forces us into that decision, which this kind of felt like. Yeah. Um, and then you're leaving a guy like Peraza on the bench after he filled in pretty admirably down the stretch when um the Yankees needed to uh you know mix it up give some players rest, shift things around um, after they already clinched a division um, and the games are meaningless. So that's where I have a problem with this. Otherwise, I like the starting lineup a lot. You know I love this rotation. Um, I think uh, Garrett Cole's got a great opportunity tonight to put um, that second half of the season behind him. Um, it was a bad second half of the season, regardless of how you slice it. The Yankees went 9-8 and eight in games he started in the second half. That's crazy for someone who's supposed to be a top three pitcher in the game. Um, but now he's starting in front of Yankees fans for the first time in the Bronx ever since joining the team. Don't forget that guys. Uh, this is the first home Yankee stadium playoff game since 2019 ALCS against the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Garrett Cole is being handed the ball tonight in game one. Um, or the Chapman is not here. So we will not be seeing him in at any inning and in, in any point. Um, but now comes the question of <clears throat> how is he going to handle the pressure? Um, what is the bullpen situation going to be, God forbid, if there's something bad that happens early on, um, if the offense can't dig themselves out of a out of a hole uh, early on? Um, I don't really want to think about that, though. But nonetheless, you look at the roster. There are ways to get through it. Maybe you have J-Mo piggyback after a bad start here and there. Um, if that happens, I don't foresee any of that happening. Once again, the guardians offense is fairly weak. Um, I don't think you could toss a better top three, um, of the remaining playoff teams. I think the Yankees have the best top three with, um, Cole, Nestor, and Severino
1: kind of insane. Cause the kind Astros, the Astros are going to McCullers in game three, which like, he, he, he was, he's owned us in the past. So I can't yeah. be like, that guy stinks. Like we all know what that guy is, but, Verlander for Amber Valdez injured Lance McCullers coming off like a weird season where he barely pitched. I don't know versus Severino who you could say the same thing, but we already know that he's rounding into form. Like yeah. An outsider could be like, oh yeah, well, Seve was hurt all year too. Is it, What are you talking about? Weird season where, I mean, Severino just came off a seven no hit innings into the playoffs. So he's yeah. at his peak. Although McCullers four and two, 2.27 and eight starts this year. He's obviously playoff tested. Everybody knows what they're getting in him to Uh, somehow probably become underrated uh, because he sort of, uh, you know, didn't participate in 2019. He's out for the year. 2017 is his breakout, but he wasn't exactly a a star in the second half. He he only threw 118 and two-thirds innings, made the all-star team that year. Uh, But, you know, wasn't very good for large stretches of time and then was good in the postseason. Uh, Strange career, not a lot of durability. 76 walks, led the league last year, but – he, too, was great this year. So I would say the Astros and Yankees enter the postseason with pretty similar top threes, and Severino is hotter than McCullers.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, Severino's a power pitcher. I think that is a little bit more advantageous when you're talking playoffs, especially if guys have to go on short rest, or especially if there's a situation where um, you know, you're know you in a all-hands-on-deck scenario and you need Severino to come in for – the eighth inning or the ninth inning like that's on the table um I'd rather have a guy like Severino who's pumping close to 100 than Lance McCullers who's more of an off-speed guy um and that's uh that's why we kind of talked about uh the advantages of maybe starting Nestor Cortez in game one um because then you'd have Garrett Cole power pitcher game two short rest for potential game five or ready for ALCS game one um but here we are Aaron Boone's going with Garrett Cole for Game One. I think that, um, once again, good, good potential scenario for Garrett Cole to make a lot of things go away. It won't be easy. I think the pressure is still there. There are the expectations for him to deliver in game one. Um, I think it will not be viewed kindly if he doesn't go seven and one earned or seven and any earned with the win. Yeah. Um, I'd go as far to say he can give up three as long as the Yankees you know, give him some run support um remember this is a playoff game playoff baseball is different it's hard to rely on your ace to go seven shutty um but uh it's it's all lined up and then another great uh another great aspect of this is Aaron Judge no longer has the pressure of 62 folks he's going into the playoffs with a clean slate um I understand that means uh he will not be probably working as many walks as he was down the stretch um, because pitchers were trying to avoid him. Yeah, hopefully. Um, that was kind of boring. Yeah, it was boring. But I mean, I'll take the fucking, if he's batting leadoff, I'll take the leadoff guy on first at any, at any situation, yeah. regardless of how it happens. Hit yeah, by yeah, pitch, yeah. walk, single, I don't care. Um, and that'll be another, th- this will be another thing probably worth discussing. What's this lineup going to look like? Um, Now that we know for sure who's going to be here and now we know for sure DJ is not going to be, um, involved. Um, I think you still, does Matt Carpenter play, is he coming off the bench? You maybe start him at DH one night or, Mm -hmm. and give Stanton a breather here. Like Stanton did not finish the year off hot enough. I think to warrant maybe starting at DH every single game, if he's not going to play the outfield, I think that devalues him. Um, But then again, I don't think the Yankees make that decision. I'm asking questions I would make if I was put into the managerial slot today, um, not how a $6 billion team operates with um, constant image concerns. Um, But, yeah, I think you still got to go with Judge in um, the leadoff spot. Then you go Rizzo, um, Stanton, um, and then you kind of figure it out from there. Or Maybe Glaber in the three because he he finished September so hot – I uh, I think the raw the lineup construction here is going to be very important. Why? Two reasons. One is because you're facing very good starting pitching. So even though the Yankees are technically facing um, the Guardians' number three starter in Cal Quantrill tonight, um, still a good pitcher. Um, I know October is different. He might you know poop down his leg um, because it's it's kind of different expectations. But he had a really good year, and he he knows how to. He knows how to use his arsenal um, and uh, th- th- there's always value in that in a playoff series, regardless of if they're battle tested or not. And then two is just setting the tone for the rest of the way. If you get past the ALDS, this lineup needs to look consistent for the CS. And then if you get past that needs to look consistent for the world series. Yeah. Um, I don't think they can afford jerking people around the lineup than um, having people in different roles and not having people comfortable um, because that's so many times been the problem with the Yankees finding consistency um, and with guys getting in guys, getting in rhythms and feeling comfortable in their spots in the lineup. So um, I think Aaron Boone's got to figure it out tonight. It'd be great if they could just have a, have a nice offensive evening. So there is less questions in Aaron Boone's head to make any changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what are, what are what are you feeling about the lineup and how, how do you think we should be going about this? I think we're going to be looking at what we were looking
1: at down the stretch. By and large, the only question that I think people are not addressing is is Glaber Torres going to be the Glaber Torres we saw in most of September? Or is he going to be weakened and thrown off by having additional rest even before the Yankees rested? He was sick for that Texas series. Yeah. He hasn't played in quite a while. Um, and and it was mysterious. It was not COVID, uh, COVID symptoms. He missed an entire series. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. So uh, that that's not saying he's going to show up and and look like, you know, August Glaber. And, and that's not saying, like, uh, he's going to enter, you know, the postseason completely sapped of all power. I'm just saying that I assume he's going to be able to play all of these games, but he didn't play between October 1st and the end of the season. He uh, went two for five in one of those last <laughs> Orioles games, the one they won 8 nothing. did not play in the finale of that series, and then didn't play any of the four in Texas. So I'm being told he's fine by the fact that he's on the roster and by the fact that Oswald Peraza is not. I just don't know. Outside of that, and like I said, I assume they're just going to go pretty by the book here because they're signaling to me that he's okay uh they're not gonna bat him eighth or something and then be like well yeah he's still under the weather Um uh, we might start marwin tomorrow like oswald peraza would be here if glaber torres was not supposed to be starting all of these alts games but i think you're gonna see i think judge stays lead off i think uh you're gonna see rizzo behind him torres three stanton four oswaldo five donaldson ikf trevino bader or Barry IKF last, do Bader 7th. It's really nice to have Bader here. I, I, I can't lie about that. Um, something that struck out as weird to me, and, uh, you know, we can talk about the F. injury a little bit here while we go into it, is obviously uh, Scott F. is suddenly not on the roster. He was number one in my postseason closer option power rankings that I wrote about a week ago after Ron Marinaccio went down. Uh, F. is not going to be in this series or next season He needs Tommy John surgery. That's a stunner. Any way you slice it, you're taking a potential closer away from a back end of the bullpen that's already up or grabs. But then you look at the pitchers they're carrying, and the 12 pitchers makes a big difference here, sure. But even without Marinaccio and even without Efros, there's not really a single guy here who I was like, that guy? Are you kidding me? Like, no Chapman. Miguel Castro is the name that's a bit of a wild card. But I don't read Miguel Castro and go, well, that's ridiculous. Like, Garrett Nestor, Severino is the starters. Tyone's going to be pitching out of the bullpen. Clark Schmidt also gives you a So does Domingo Hermann. Then Holmes, Loizaga, Litke, Peralta's back, Trevino, Miguel Castro. There's nobody there who just does not belong. There's nobody there like in 2019 uh, when the Yankees carried that soft-tossing lefty whose name I've already forgotten. But do you remember when they just picked up that dude in the middle of September and then he was on the ALC? Tyler Lyons he was just on the ALTS and ALCS roster, and they just had the ability to do that. That was supposedly when the bullpen was a strength, when it was like Adovino, Britton, Shaman, and these guys are untouchable. Canely, back in the day, it's like, oh, my God, the bullpen is unbelievable. Before those playoff runs, did you really believe in Canely? Did you really believe in Britton? Did you really know what you had in Adovino? Uh I'm not sure what I have in most of these guys. I'm not sure who the closer is, but there's nobody here who I'm looking at it like, man, they really couldn't fill a full roster. They had to go with Tyler Lyons. Like, they had to make a desperate swing. Luis Sessa was on all those other playoff rosters. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMT platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
3: If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope,
1: I don't know. the The back end doesn't have that bona fide guy, which is a valid complaint. Until you remember that that bona fide guy in recent years was a Rolldis Chapman. So what are we really doing here? Was he bona fide? Did you believe in him last year?
2: Yeah. No, you're right. I I totally agree. I, I I it's a symptom of two things, right? It's one, we don't have a we don't have a choice. Yes. We we've seen all these guys. We know who they are. We know what they're capable of, whether it's really good or whatever. Um, but there's nobody else aside from Greg Weiser, who you know I still believe should have probably taken a roster spot from Marwin Hicks or LaCastro.
1: Yeah, and I, um, and I get that.
2: Yeah, um, I don't. It's 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 just for the fact because you're facing a team that is super super deep on pitching. Why would you not counter with that Um, instead of countering with three below average offensive players? If you had above offensive players and you're like, you know what? We're stacking the roster with the best hitters we have in the starting lineup and then we're going to have a bench filled with boppers and this team is not going to be able to avoid a single at-bat this entire series. That's a different story, but they didn't do that. Um, And then uh, I forgot my second point. Great. Great. Um, but anyway that's kind of what that that's what the situation is right now we we don't really have the oh the the other point was that um we are looking at this and there is kind of I don't know I'm feeling there's feelings of uneasiness and there's feelings of like okay let's just do it because what's the uneasiness the uneasiness is that it's an undefined bullpen it's filled with kind of injuries there's no real roles here um and you're missing a few of your best guys and even the best guys here you know if you look at wandy peralta coming off an injury what are we going to expect in the early going clay holmes hasn't really been himself for four months now um and had some weird
1: quotes this week coming back from the injury where he was like i feel great my bullpen session's been great i'm peaking at like 96 like I hope I'll be ready for game one. Hope you'll be ready for game one. Yeah, me too. We just me gave too. you 10 days off, and, and it's tonight. I hope you're yeah. ready. You're on the roster.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Miguel Castro, 60-day I-L'd in July, came back at the end of September, did a little bit of work, and that's it. So um, that's where you are worried. But then at the same time, you're like, we've gone into the postseason since 2017 with stacked bullpens on paper. You know, like you said, we had some situations where Tyler Lyons was on the roster. We had some situations where there were unknown commodities, um, where maybe someone was thrust into a uh, a back end role that you were kind of unsure. I was like, "We sure that guy is going to be able to handle that." Yeah. Here, there's no choice. I think everybody on this on this uh, pitching roster has faced the toughest of the toughest, and. Also mop-up time. There's that weird dichotomy where it's like you look at every single person on here. Um, that, that's going to be in the bullpen, and there is no defined role. These guys are used to almost every single scenario. I think they all understand the stakes, and in my sick mind, I think that's kind of an advantage um, because I think if you go in far too structured, any deviation from the norm is going to kind of spook people. And we've seen that happen with the Yankees before, right? They go in with this dream lineup, one injury derails the whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. They go in with this ordered structure of, you know, Chapman, Britain, Green, boom, boom, boom. And then you have to use green in the fifth. And then the order of operations of the bullpen is thrown off, and then you don't know what's happening. Um, so I think that A it has battle-tested certain guys to understand the stakes and be uh, more comfortable in situations that they otherwise wouldn't be because they wouldn't be exposed to that if the Yankees were kind of doing their, their order of business as they usually do. And two, it gives Boone more flexibility. He can kind of use the human element here to judge, okay, when was the last time I brought this guy in to you know get us out of a jam with runners on the corners and one out in the seventh? Probably has some data on that. Um, he could be more comfortable trusting a guy, um, you know, like, for example, um, Lou Trevino, who he's used in almost. He, Lou Trevino's the fireman right now. Um, you even have a guy like Clark Schmidt, who's done some eighth, ninth inning work. He's also been used in mop up garbage duty, but he's faced high stakes situations. You have Lucas Lickey, who's used very similarly. Sometimes he's brought in the eighth inning to get out of a jam with runners on first and second. Other times he's in an eight nothing game and you want him to pitch three innings. Um, Domingo Herman was giving you very good, very good and suitable starts until he was bumped from the rotation. And then he was giving you good innings out of the bullpen. Um, So I think, I think that there there is an advantage here, and it's you can't put your finger on it. You can't sit here and be like, "Oh, well, yeah, the Yankees are sta-, you know you can you can stack this up against you stack this bullpen up against the Orioles bullpen. You pull up the baseball reference stats, put them side by side, and you're like, "Well, we're fucked," um, because that's what it looks like. But on on the other side of the spectrum, I think there's there's a little bit of an advantage here that maybe we're not looking at closely because don't forget again. 2017 until last year, stacked bullpens, stacked bullpens, got us absolutely nowhere, got us. The farthest we've ever gotten was game seven of the ALCS. And that was more of a magical run than anything. The next time we were expected to actually do something, it was six games in the ALCS and Chapman, who was the anchor of that bullpen blew the game. And that was it. Um, So uh, I think we have to pay more attention to kind of um, in all in all, I think this is going to be a reflection on Aaron Boone and how he can navigate kind of these uncertain waters and put guys in the right positions.
1: Yeah, I would be more comfortable if I knew there was a veteran who I knew could give me two plus innings Absolutely. out of the bullpen, of course, like David Robertson. He also, he got hurt jumping up and celebrating Bryce Harper's home run. But if I had David Robertson to come out and be a fireman, great. Clark Schmidt, I'm not, I don't know. I've seen it all year long. He's been a fireman plenty, but I don't know what it's going to be like today. He certainly gave up a bunch of timely home runs down the stretch, blew a game to the Red Sox that the Yankees ended up winning anyway. But he's going to be asked to provide length. Domingo's going to be asked to provide length. And you, you're tempted to go, like, I wish that was Chad Green. But Chad Green in 2017 wasn't Chad Green now. He was like a breakout rookie who was able to cover a ton of innings at a time. Uh, so if somebody wants to be 2017 Chad Green, there are plenty of people at the start of their story who have the opportunity to do that. Like Chad Green was not the wily trusted veteran. He was the kid. We don't know if he can hack it in October. Oh, wait, he's awesome. So hopefully Clark Schmidt can do that too. Having Schmidt, having Herman, having Tyone out there is very exciting. Yeah. Um, now, would I have preferred to maybe see Tyone close one game ever before he is potentially uses a closer option in October? Certainly. But the Phillies are doing it with Zach Eflin, not a closer. Became a closer nope. like a week ago. Uh, the 2019 Nationals had Patrick Corbin closing games, basically. Uh, Daniel Hudson, like, uh, the 2018 Red Sox had Nathan Eovaldi go, like, six innings in the extra innings of a playoff game. And Chris Sale closed the World Series. It only makes you uncomfortable until you do it. And obviously, other teams have succeeded in areas where the Yankees have failed many, many times. The Davey Garcia, J-Hap flip-flop, like, if the Rays did that, it probably works. We did it. It didn't work. Um, but that. 2018 champions and 20 or yeah, 2018 world series champions and 2019 world series champions, both employed starters in the bullpen in mix and match innings and potentially long saves and tried out new and different formulas to get the final outs of games of series. We're like the only ones who haven't done that. So yeah. we have to do it this year. I don't know if we're going to be champions because of it, but we don't have the late inning dedicated personnel to not do it. So let's do it. Luis Severino throw days become a thing. Yeah? Entering the ALCS if they make it, because uh, when was the w- the most confident I've been in the bullpen in like four years was ironically last year's wild card game, and that team was terrible, and that offense yeah. was terrible, and it was a one game postseason, and I wasn't confident in any other element of that team. But Michael King was figuring out how to be a bullpen guy. Severino was in the bullpen covering multiple innings at a time. Lickie was like the weakest link, and Arolda Chapman, of course, was present. We'll talk about him shortly, but. That bullpen was nasty, and they were even solid in that game. Uh, that game was dreadful, and the season ended very quickly. But if we can uh, – the only difference here, really, is we don't have 10 days at the end of the season to figure it all out. Uh, Herman looked pretty good last time he was out there, too, with a long layoff. Schmidt's been either an incredible fireman or uh, sort of a very hittable gas can, depending on the day. But he certainly had his moment this year, and uh, Tyone. Gutty, dependable, not going to get a start in this series. Probably the right call. All these off days, off day tomorrow, which makes no sense. Uh, game two is on Thursday, but it's supposed to rain on Thursday, so maybe off day Thursday. Game Friday, I, I just don't know. Um, but a strange schedule. You can easily go with three starters, so you might as well. Uh, Tyone in the bullpen makes all the sense in the world. Wish we'd seen it. Severino in the bullpen, honestly, for like a game five in the next round, if they can get there, if they can survive, uh, makes a ton of sense to me too.
2: Yeah, I mean, the name of the game is getting outs, right? And we've seen – we saw Tyone last year in game 162 pitch on that bum ankle against the Rays, um, and he only went, what, two or three innings? Do you remember off the top of your head?
1: I think he completed three, but I'd like to know. Yeah,
2: completed – yeah. But either way, it was an abbreviated start, um, and he had his stuff. And it was there, and um, uh, he managed to get through it. Um, another thing here We're is three that...
1: Three a third. Three and a third.
2: Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, and another uh, interesting thing to look at is um, uh, Tyone's uh, track record against um, hitters uh, the first time through the order. Um, so uh, batters against him... In their first plate appearances are hitting 216 with a 653 OPS, second plate appearance, 239 with a 705 OPS, third plate appearance where it gets dicey, 297 with an 803, uh, 803 OPS. So, like most pitchers, Tyone has his way with the first few um, with the fir- one or the first uh, time or two through the lineup, and then as the game goes on, that's where his place starts to deteriorate. So, you look at a playoff start where the stakes are higher, um, the game is slower, um, the lineups are more uh, meticulously constructed, uh, pinch hitters are used uh, more liberally when teams are trying to score runs. um, And Tyone's stuff might be better deployed in short inning spurts. I don't think I need to see him in a relief role. I don't think that that's going to, I don't think he's one of those guys to have that screw with his head. Um, he doesn't strike me as that kind of individual with, uh, you know, that type of ego, um, a Chapman-esque ego, as, as one could say. Um, he's unable to pit he was unable to pitch in save situations and outside of save situations. Um, we've seen plenty of times before where starters move to the bullpen. They, they take exception to it. Um, clearly that was not an issue for Tyone, at least to our knowledge. Uh, we learned he was pitching out of the bullpen, I think yesterday or the day before, um, and have not heard anything. Um, So the only issue with, and I don't know how baseball reference defines this. I still don't understand what, how they define high leverage. Mm -hmm. Um, But in 25 games in high leverage situations, uh, opponents are hitting 256 with an eight sixty nine OPS off Tyone. And in late and close um, uh, situations, which I actually just lost. Oh, late and close. I'm sorry. Oh, he only has four games of experience in there, so that doesn't even matter. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the high leverage, uh, again, I don't know exactly what that entails, but um, you'd hope that the situations aren't too crazy. You'd hope he's coming in with a two-run cushion, asked to kind of hold the fort on that. Um, but, yeah, I like that. I do like the uh, th- this different approach. It's a lot of guys who can go more than one inning, um it's a lot of guys who are mix and match um and it's a lot of guys who aren't going to be uh ruffled um if their kind of role is or or you know their their role isn't really existent like we said none of these guys are really defined in anything except i think clay holmes is the guy who's closest defined to anything and i think he knows well as anybody um that there is no closer on this team right now based on the way that he's performing so um I am not. I, I was scared with the bullpen coming in. Now you just kind of you sit back and you realize, and it's like the name of the game is getting outs. So if Aaron Boone can properly match up these guys in the bullpen with um, whoever's coming to the plate, mm-hmm. uh, whatever data the Yankees have, which I know they heavily use, use it properly for once. Um, and I think you could have you could have some good you could have some good advantages here, and you can get out of maybe a few of these games without taxing too many arms, you know, use Herman for two innings, Clark Schmidt for two innings, Tyone for two or three innings could change the entire complexion of a series and better prepare you for what's to come in the, in the later series when you actually, you know, you may be faced with seven game situations. So um, I'm actually uh, outside of being kicked down six pegs with knowing we're not going to have Scott F Ross until 2024. Yeah. Um, and with the DJ news, um, the Sherman report, uh, he has a fracture that resonates into his toes. That, that was what I was trying to articulate before, but, um, yeah. I didn't have the tweet in front of me. Normal. Um, yeah. So that's two things that kind of pissed me off. A, the Yankees knew Scott F. Frost was getting Tommy John surgery before today. So there was no reason. Once again, it's one of those things where it's like, you had this news earlier. Why do you have to drop it on ALDS day? Can you do it over the weekend when no one gives a fuck? Everyone's watching the wild card games.
1: You, you're trying to think you, – you think F. Ross is such a big advantage that the, the Guardians are going to build their roster exactly. around it knowing that he's
2: not available? Like, you're not tipping your hat. Just- exactly. So it's like, why do you have to do that? Why did D.J. Lemayhew play on his foot that we knew was an injury since July? Why didn't he get a two- to four-week IL stint in the middle of that? Um, it's just other things. It's just things that, that are, that are infuriating. But once again, taking that out of the equation because we don't want it to overshadow what we're about to get into. We're about mm-hmm. to have a good time in the ALDS. Um, got the first two games at home. Um, we know where we stand in terms of uh, the lineup, the starting rotation, the bullpen. Um, there's really no mystery. Um, losing Efrost was a big blow, but at the same time, Uh, There was a part of me that was questioning his ability to actually contribute because of that shoulder issue and because of the, um, uh, the lack of reps he had coming off the IL anyway. Um, So you're sitting there and you're like, okay, like he's great to have in there, but is he really the reliable ninth inning guy? Is he really going to have that, you know, is he going to have that grind attached to him after not having it for, you know, six weeks? Um, So uh, a loss there, nonetheless, and it, it it hurts the 2023 team. But we can't even think that far. We just we have what we have here, feeling okay. Going to take it day by day. Hopefully, we we'll release the correct lineup tonight where we're feeling good. Um, I wish the lineup would drop during the pod. That would be a good time. It'd be great.
1: All we've got is the the Phillies uh, Braves game, which is uh, which is interesting. Which is a bit six early one. Out. Six one at this juncture. Uh, Ranger Suarez. <laughs> Struggling a little bit here with the. Uh, well, no, he's not actually. He's, oh, well, what? Philly's defense is bad. Um, oh, three for three, huh? There you go, yeah. Nikki. Uh, very interesting playoff action so far, but anything can happen. Um, before yeah. we go, I do want to give a uh, an extended shout out and goodbye, an official farewell to uh, the biggest asshole this team has had in my lifetime, uh, Aroldis Chapman. We'll see you, fella. Um, You know, like you said, the the ironic thing of all ironic things is that after uh, the domestic violence allegations that stopped a Dodgers trade, uh, forced the Red Sox to back away from a deal, whatever the details were, they scared away two very prominent MLB teams and not the Yankees. Yankees were willing to overlook that, use him as a distressed asset, trade very low-level prospects for him, get him, flip him for Glaber Torres, bring him back. After the season ended, he signs here, pitches in 2017, is really good, but is bad in the ALCS. 2018 is really good, but has some of these trademark implosions. 2019, the implosions become more regular, and he ends our season with a walk-off home run. 2019, his contract is up. He can opt out. He can leave. Yankees say, nope, come on home. We'll extend you through 2022. 2020, shocker of all shockers, he ends the season with another home run, this time in the eighth inning. Uh, Or the top of the ninth inning? Uh, Yeah, because this was a home game in San Diego. I forgot. But, yeah, another season-ending dinger. 2021 did not really get a chance to contribute to a playoff run. 2022 is worst season ever. Said all the right things about being willing to not be the set closer. Clearly was not willing to not be the set closer. Got a tattoo injury midseason. Infected leg. Couldn't stand on it. Didn't tell anyone. Went to the hospital sick with a fever. Came back, rehabbed despite his awful season, made it back for September, down the stretch, contributed to the team in air quotes, walked the universe, was dreadful, and would have made the playoff roster after Scott Efros's injury if he had not, asked for assurance he was going to make the team, didn't get it, decided to go to Miami instead and skip a workout of roll this. This is the best karmic push the Yankees could possibly hope for. Uh, he has been, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Say what you will about the Yankees harboring him, and you can say a lot because they clearly were willing to take that chance and give him contract after contract. Can't excuse the Yankees there. And performance shouldn't even matter, but it does. But his performance at the end was also dreadful. I understand all of this. Was reviled by the fan base. Nobody liked Aroldis Chapman um except for the worst the bottom of the boat the barnacles on the bottom of the boat might have liked to roll as chapman but there's never been a superstar with fewer memorabilia sales paraphernalia sales no jerseys no shirts uh nobody cared came and went was something you sat through and gritted your teeth and hoped he didn't implode in the big game and obviously more often than not he succeeded but man were the implosions ever famous um, and, yeah, if he had not acted like a petulant child on Friday, he would be on this roster today. Instead, uh, they went with 12 pitchers. They did not bring Chapman back and uh, couldn't really imagine a fonder farewell here.
2: Truly, and uh, just one more point on that is, I mean, this, this behavior now makes the 2019 extension even more egregious because uh, not only did he boot the Yankees from the playoffs that year on top of – blowing it against the Rays in 2020 because he couldn't handle split inning duty on top of blowing game two against the Astros in the ALCS in 2017. Um, he was threatening to opt out. The Yankees didn't want him to opt out because it was a depressed reliever market and instead just gave him two more years or g- gave him uh, two more years on top of um, the 2020 season at an insane rate that I mean, I don't even know how many. I understand he had a great 2019 regular season, but I don't know how you justify paying a closer that much money when you're constantly um, looking to cut budget left and right. Even I you know. have never had an emotional swing like
1: that. I was on a trip, and I was refreshing my phone because I knew the deadline for opt-out, for settling, all that stuff. Yeah. And I was checking, ready for an opt-out. I was excited to share the tweet, and then I – or you know, an opt in and he's back for a year and it is what it is. And, and oh, yeah. getting the notification that he was coming back for three additional seasons, not only was he Amazing. not opting out, but he was coming back through 2022 was just a wild swing. And you justify it and you say, well, I mean, when he's right, one of the league's elite closers. And then he comes in for his first out in the year and you're like, well, he can't pitch in cold weather. And then you're like, all the biggest games are in cold weather. <laughs> and then you immediately remember that this guy is just absolutely pointless and getting worse every year.
2: Yeah, and you let you give him that extent. It's look if here. Here's the other thing about it. If Arolis Chapman's character issues have doomed him on Tuesday, October 11th of 2022, there is no fucking world where you're telling me that these issues have not popped up in the six previous seasons. Um The Yankees have had to have known that there was something with him, whether it was selfishness, whether it was. um uh uh just lack of team spirit, whether it was a lack of motivation, I don't know. Um, but to allow him to kind of control the narrative there. Once again, after he eliminated you from the postseason, DJ who ties that game, he eliminates you yes. in that postseason, smiles coming off the mound, and you kind and you're just like, yeah, man, here's uh two more years at the highest possible um AAV. We can go for a reliever. So there you go. Um is just nuts to me, um, especially when there were other needs. Um, there were other needs. There, oh, there's always needs on a baseball roster, right? There's always a ton of needs. There are so many positions. There's so many roles to be played. And to sink that much money into a guy who just wasn't – he was good as a regular season reliever and he was nerve-wracking as a postseason reliever. And I know that there's no predicting what's going to happen in the postseason, but there was enough of a track record at that point with the role of Chapman where we were like, you know what? We could save uh, 40-something million here, and we can go in a different direction. They opted not to do that. Nonetheless, I think this behavior here, hes clearly he was clearly unwilling to help the team. Now the team is down a pitcher heading into the AL, ALDS because of him. Even though I'm thankful that he's not here, makes the 2019 extension more egregious, Another black mark on Brian Cashman's resume. And I don't know. How does he keep getting away with it? I don't know. I just can't believe I'm going to go to the
1: stadium tonight. I'm not going to see him. It's unbelievable. I never thought this day it's would crazy. come. Um, and it, it really colors our discussion from a couple of weeks ago when it, when there were rumors that they were going to DFA him late in the season. Yeah. And it was like, why would they do that? Like, they 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 needed a clear roster spots in August. They don't really need to do that now. They, they had, like, don't send Ron Marinaccio to AAA when you could DFA or old as Chapman, if you just want to DFA him on October 2nd anyway, but now clearly there must've been something going on behind the scenes long before this last, Hey, if I'm not in the playoff roster, I'm out. Okay, man, we don't even know what to tell you, but don't come. Okay, great. I won't. Goodbye. Um, clearly things went sour earlier there. Sweeney Murdy made a great point that Anthony Rizzo was given out the championship belt. You remember this game in Baltimore where, uh, Judge Homer twice. Yeah. Michael King threw, like, three perfect innings, and Chapman almost blew the save, but he didn't, and they gave him the championship belt because they were like, my guy really needs it. Like, and you roll your eyes, but it's a team-building thing or whatever, and yeah. he, just, he spat all over that. Like, to, to abandon the team at this point in the season, it's also, like, the worst cast member on your favorite show abandoning the show at this point in the season. Like, <laughs> I don't even, like... I I don't want to disperse anybody, but it's like, if if you hear somebody's not coming back and you're like, okay, like if the monkey asked out of friends, (laughs) it's like, all right. I mean, yeah, you you won't work for that salary. Like, I guess you can go home to monkey Island and like, uh, our oldest Chapman is, uh,
2: Oh, let's go before we go. Little, Little quickly. We have folks, judge Rizzo Glaber, Giancarlo, Cabrera, Donaldson, IKF, Trevino, Bader. That is exactly what I said.
1: Nailed it. Even when I misspoke and I was like, well, no, IKF would probably be nine and Bader probably be seven. Nope. (laughs) Literally. Exactly. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I have no complaints. There's nothing wrong with this. Win the baseball
2: game. Win the baseball game, please. Thank you. And it's
1: not a wild card round. It's not a wild card game. It's an honest-to-goodness series. We have, you know, does anybody think the Braves – are anybody counting the Braves out of this series down 6-1 in the fourth? Nope. No. Uh, If the Yankees have a tough one tonight, is anyone counting them out of the series? No. But, hey, let's have a good one instead of a tough one. Could be more fun. That is it for this Tuesday edition of the Yankees Go Yard Podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, your episodes, five-star reviews, mailbag questions. Be more than happy to answer them. Be overjoyed. It would be our pleasure. And we'll hopefully be back Thursday for game two instead of back Thursday for game rainout. Until next time, uh, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at the address below, at Adam Weiner, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you?
2: At Tommy's underscore takes. You can also talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account, at Yanks Go Yard FS. We're going to be there all game, all series, all postseason. Uh, Head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Um, Let's go Yanks. Uh, One last shout out here to my James Madison Dukes football program. In your AP poll, top 25. Yeah. We did it. After moving from D1AA to uh, the Sun Belt, here we are running, uh, running, train on the opposition, um, Georgia Southern next week. Uh, homecoming matchup in two weeks against Marshall. Pretty exciting times. Uh, so we have two things to root for: um, Yankees getting through October and into November, and the Dukes remaining in the top twenty-five. Hopefully, getting to the call. Actually, they can't do a postseason because they just moved. Uh, they moved uh, from conference to conference, so they're, they're they banned. can uh, yeah. they can like play Bama in February in the Bahamas or something like <laughs> a <Oklahoma. laughs> Invitation. Yeah, we got to get something. Get something on the books. Maybe they could just play the Yankees if they get eliminated from the postseason early. Yeah, I don't um, want to see that, but yeah, <laughs> sure, they could do that. Yeah. Um, anyway, folks, game one tonight, what is it, 637? 737, folks. 737, sorry. 737. It's 637 for the folks in Central time, for all the Guardians
1: fans. if the New
2: York Mets had won game three, but uh, I got to tell you, they didn't. They didn't. Sorry, Mets fans. Uh, that was brutal. Um. But yeah. Until then, we'll talk to you again on Thursday, which will be a Game 2 preview and a weird delay after Game 1. But, you know, the world's about money now, so they got to prioritize when the Yankees are playing all night slots, by the way. The full ALDS schedule came out. Uh, They are playing, I believe, at 7 p.m. or later, um, or 6.30 p.m. later every single game, should it go to five games. And I'm sure it'll be no different for the ALCS um, if they were to make it there. Um, But, yep, again, hit us up at the Yanks' Guard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS, YanksGoYard.com for all your content needs. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Let's go, Yankees.
1: Huge. Can't wait. Go, Yanks!